Somebody came into my office, and he wanted to talk to me, and said, I want to meet the pastor, and uh, he can't speak proper English like me, uh, and, and he came in there, and uh, he wanted help. He wanted to go to Salinas and look for a job in the farm, and he doesn't have money for gas to go to Salinas, so he was there looking for me. And then I was on a phone with a friend. He's on the verge of divorce. And uh, he's struggling. They're struggling. And uh, uh, it's a painful time. Very painful time. Worried for the kids. And the impact of divorce on what, what it will be like for both of them as well as for the children. Then I uh, prayed with a father, uh, with a man uh, who had just lost his wife recently and he also has lost his job and he is concerned about how to take care of his two daughters you know life is not easy life is hard there's lots of trials and tribulations but the thing is we can overcome trials we can overcome tribulations And so this sermon series, Making Disciple, is part of it. It's turning stumbling blocks into stepping stones. How can we do that? How can we do that as people? And I want to look at Acts chapter 16. See, the main point that I want to bring home this morning is that when I follow Jesus, He will lead me to live a God-intended life. See, when I follow Jesus, He will... Lead me to live a God-intended life. What does that mean? That means that God will use me to say things that are God-inspired to, uh, to the friend that is going through divorce. That God will allow me to act how to take care of this person that doesn't have money uh, to go and look for a job. That, that God will inspire me to say a word that is meaningful and, and relatable to the man who is looking for a job to take care of his daughters. Because when we don't talk about life that is real, uh, and we don't see God working in our reality, reality of the life, uh, discipleship, doesn't make sense. Making disciples doesn't make sense. Because in this church, we acknowledge that there are real people, and real people have real issues, but we have a real God that has the right real solution, which is His real love. Right? So, how was your week? Did life happen? Or you just skip life? And nothing happened. You're living in the bubble. Life happened to me this week. Big time. I can't even begin all the stories that I need to share. Right? But I'll try to share all the things that happens to me. You know, what do you do, pastor? What do you do during the week? Right? You're a pastor. Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. Paul wanted to have him go with him 
And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. Paul never had an easy start in his ministry. He started with conflict, oppositions. People were not happy with him. People were afraid of him. And here again in the second missionary journey, when he went back to Derby and Lystra, and you would remember that it was in Lystra that he was stoned to death and people thought that he was death. Now he is back to that place. Why? Because he loves the people there. And the new believers there were living in a precarious situation where they could easily go back and follow their pagan god. And here he came and he met Timothy, a young guy, a young man whose father was Greek and the mother was a Jew. What was the problem again? The problem was that the Jewish believer, the religious people, were not going to give a chance to young Timothy because he was not circumcised. The young, the believers at that time was looking at this young man and say, No, you can't be effective. You can't serve the Lord. You can't live the life that God has intended you to live because you are not circumcised. It's a stumbling block now. I mean, this, I remember. When I was uh, playing soccer with young people in Midwest, my wife and we started a soccer club because we wanted our boys to play soccer and it was very expensive to join the club. So what did I do? I started a soccer club. right? And I registered in the state and it was a legit soccer club and we started playing soccer and uh, this one family uh, had a lot of kids and joined family and you know they were uh, different kids from different parents and one of the boys started really playing well and the state reps were watching and say this guy's good so I was very excited I was very excited and say hey your son is being noticed. Uh, watch out. I think he can, he can be somebody. He can do something. It may help him in his future. Because they all were also struggling in life. I thought this could be something that could help. I was thinking that the parents probably will be excited. Maybe not the mother because it's not a child. Do you know what she did? She went and circumcised him. This like 12, 13-year-old kid. She went and circumcised him so she, he couldn't play soccer. Okay? How do you disciple a kid? Isn't discipleship letting somebody live a God-intended life? So when there is a stumbling block, you will remove the stumbling block for that young person or young girl that they can be impactful and live a God-intended life. I want to speak here. At least, please pay attention to this. Discernment is a spiritual gift. What did I say? Yes. Kind of afraid to say the word, I guess. So it was like discernment. But discernment is a spiritual gift. What is discernment? It's having real knowledge and wisdom, right? Paul had discernment. And what is the role and function of discernment? Discernment will lead to solution. Discernment will never lead to blame. 
God reveals something to you so that you will provide solution to that person in your life. Not to blame him or her to say, Oh, I had discernment and you did this, you did wrong and you're finished. No. Discernment is for solution. It's for edification. It means to build up. God used Paul to have this discerning spirit. And what did he do? He removed the stumbling block for Timothy and he circumcised him. And what happened? The church was strengthened in multiplication of believers. Do you see that? Now, did Paul do the same thing to other people? No, not to Titus. Titus was a Greek, full Greek. Did he circumcise Titus? No, he didn't circumcise Titus. You know why? Because that will take away the liberty of a Gentile to come to the Lord fully and accept it without being circumcised. Do you see that? That is discernment. When you disciple somebody, you use discerning spirit to build up, not to lay blame. You remove their stumbling block in their life so that the stumbling block will become what? Stepping stones. Are you with me? This is big time, real important thing for our church. Okay? Because we are going to change the community and the world. And I'm not saying that for you to feel good. I totally 100% believe it that Santa Clara First Baptist Church is going to... Oh, there's a phone from God. (laughs) Can somebody say we are praying and talking about Him? (laughs) I love that. I love that. He's noticing us. So where were we? (laughs) We were where I believe that you will make a change. That you can make real-time change in real-time people's life, right? So, here. When you disciple someone, turn their stumbling blocks into a stepping stones. How are you going to do that? You use every gift that God has given you, including your natural giftedness. And in this case, Paul used discernment, one of the gifts. He discerned what he would do for Timothy. That changed him. Timothy was one of the prolific young pastors ever at that time. How did that happen? Paul circumcised him. He took off some skin, and that changed his life. Did he do that to Titus? No. See? Then, it falls on us who are making disciples to be connected and tied with God. If we can't do that, and the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in us, we are not going to hear that voice and have that wisdom and knowledge to impart to these young and upcoming leaders. And on Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. When you read this, you'll think, what is in there, pastor? I don't get it. You know, why are you putting up this thing? Okay, some women at the riverside, what's the big deal? Well, it was a big deal because in order to have a synagogue, which means in order to have a church, you should at least have 10 men. Can you say men? Well, not a lot of men are here. I don't know what's up with church. Santa Clara, what's up this morning? Are you alive or what? Yeah? 
All right, come on, church. This is not a coffin. Okay? You're not in a coffin, okay? This is not like a box cut coffin for you. Okay, let's show some life here, right? Okay, amen. How about clapping? <laughs> yes, yes, I like that. Yeah. So, you got to have 10 men to have a synagogue. 10 men. So, if there are no 10 men, it's not going to qualify as a synagogue. Okay, what's happening here? A bunch of women at the riverside praying together regularly, right? Is that a synagogue? No, because there was no man there. So what happens is, this is not even a worthy place for preachers to go and preach and teach to these women. Who went there? Paul. By the riverside. A bunch of women were gathering. Not worthy for itinerary preachers or priests or Levites to go and visit them. Because they were just women. Plain women. Well, they weren't plain. Because one of them was Lydia. The seller of the purple. A businesswoman. An entrepreneur. She had made it herself. And she was there by the riverside. And Paul went and prayed. I'm ready for this. Do not despise small beginnings. Do not despise small beginnings. You are not always going to have an inspiring beginning. Right? When you go into a company and say, I'm going to change the world. You're not going to start as a CEO of a Google or an Apple or Yahoo. By the way, I went to a faith and uh, workplace networking, my wife and I, this week. And there were a lot of people from technology that were there. And lots of pastors. And we were talking, right? So, just to be honest with you, some of you feel a great worth and great pride in identity because you work at Apple. Where do you work? I work at Apple. Where do you work again? I work at Google. Where do you work? I work at Yahoo. Yeah, you have these sliding scales. Right? Your identity is a Googler. You're an Apple. And you go, right? Wherever you are, whether you're a doctor, nurse practitioner, medical assistant, the one who draws my blood, whether you work in some tech company that no one has heard about it, it doesn't matter. What matters is you. How you approach your job and where you are. And if do not despise your small beginnings, God's going to do great things through you. Not many people that have changed the world were born in a royal family. They were not born rich. They didn't have multi-billion company. Their parents didn't own a basketball team. Their mother didn't own a football team. These were people that were driven and called and knew who they are and how they lived the God-intended life. That's how they changed the world. Paul knew what he was called for. He didn't have an inspiring beginning. He went to a bunch of women 
and started sharing the gospel. And it changed. What was the impact? Lydia called Paul and said, I believe in your God. My family will be baptized. And he was baptized. And then went out. There was a young girl who was possessed by evil spirit. And Paul got so annoyed and talked to her. Said, get out of her at this moment. And the evil spirit got out of her. God delivered that young girl from evil spirit. What happened is that the church was planted in Philippi. And where did it start? It started in Lydia's house. Who was praying by the riverside. Who were ignored by the who is who and who was who of that time in the religious circle. You see, you get the point? I'm not trying to make you feel good. This is the truth. This is the reality. When God is present in your life and you experience the reality of the resurrection of Christ, then we can change our community and the world. Do you believe that? Yes. Because our God is great. Our God is loving. He's absolutely fantastic. He's amazing. I don't know what kind of God you worship in your life, but the God that I am is amazing. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. He's accessible. He's relatable and relevant in my life. Yeah. Yes, I got that. What is his name again? His name is Jesus Christ. Somebody shout his name. When you disciple someone, be faithful with the small beginnings. Just like somebody I know, his name is Steve Victorson. He's discipling somebody every Wednesday. One Indian guy who gave his life to Christ. He's studying Bible with him. Most of you don't even know that that's happening. Here's a three Indian guy that gave his life to Christ. Vinay is discipling them. There is a Spanish group that Sam is doing. And we, we don't know all this. Is, these are small beginnings. These are small beginnings. But I tell you, Santa Clara First Baptist Church, come back in five years, right? And see, revisit this. Revisit these sermons. In five years, you will see what God has done. He's continuing to do. But when we look at it, we are going to be totally different from where we are today. Amen. Totally different. Yes. You know why? Because God's going to do His work through you and I. But we have to be faithful in this small beginning. Just as Paul was. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. At this time, the who is who, the leader in Rome, do you know what their allegiance was to? Their allegiance was not to Rome. It was to money and power. It was to money and power. Their allegiance was truly to money and power. It is where the magistrate tore their robes and they went and arrested Paul and Silas and put it in prison. Why? Because they were teaching strange customs. Right? Religio licita. It's the religion that is approved by Rome at this time was what? It's Judaism. And this was not Judaism. This was not a government, state approved religion. Why? Because these are changing people's lives. 
Young girls that are possessed by evil spirits are delivered. And who is suffering? The businessman who was making money out of her. No, we can't have this. We can't have this. No. So they arrested and put in prison. Your pastor went to prison. Not be, No, I visited prison. <laughs> you have a convict pastor. <laughs> Praise God. Yes, amen. I am convicted by the Holy Spirit, right? That's, so I went to visit a prison. And I 10.30 p.m., that's the only time that I yeah. Uh, no opening. 10.30, you're open? Yes, I'm going to come. I visited one of his friends. Right? Well, it was dark. It was night. So I didn't know where to park. And there was a lot of free parking. So I went and parked in one of the stations. Uh, one of those parking lots. And uh, I was going home. And there it was. My ticket. Right? $45. Right? I went into the sheriff and said, Hey, I came to visit the inmate here. And I have this. Uh, where did you park? over there where you're not supposed to park there that is a paid parking there's a free how do i know it's dark it's late can i be forgiven no you got to pay right i paid 45 dollars by the way it's coming out of the church (laughs) why do you go there it's not glamorous Most of the work that are done in the church that change people's life are not glamorous. It's non-glamorous or less glamorous. Less discipleship happens. That's why youth ministry, children ministry, very important. You know why? Because real-time discipleship is happening every week. And they, maybe, they're connecting to the youth and the children. Is that glamorous? No. Children's ministry is not glamorous at all. You know how it is. Many of you have volunteered once and that was it. Right? You can't handle it. Right? It's less glamorous. What is glamorous? Maybe this. Every Sunday, pastor's here. Right? Glamorous job? No. But we need to pray for children in youth ministry. That's where the Holy Spirit's working. Even right now. Just think about this, parents. Real time, Right? You get up on Sunday morning, your kids are already full of energy, more than you, 100% more, right? You can't wait to drop off your kids to the children's volunteer, right? And you expect them to change 30 minutes to become an angel. (laughs) When they need prayer, the volunteer needs prayer. There are a lot of less glamorous, non-glamorous ministry in the church that truly change people's lives. Now I can think of children and youth ministry. Are you praying for them? Are you interested in the kids' life? Or are you annoyed by them? When you disciple someone, demonstrate genuine zeal for Jesus and the gospel. Without love. You ready? Without love, this preaching is pointless. Right? Without love, your service is self-serving. 
right? Without love, your worship is meaningless. You know who are the most annoying Christians? People that doesn't have love are the most annoying Christians. Why are they annoying? Because they are like a sounding gong. A sounding symbol, right? Every time. This is even better, right? My clap is better than the thing. And Paul pointed this out in Corinthians 13. You have a tongue of an angel and you don't have love. It's like a sounding gong. It's like a sounding symbol, right? You may give your body to be burned for the Lord and you don't have love. It means nothing. It means nothing. You may have done great things for the Lord, but you don't have love. It means, my friends, Christianity without love is totally, totally insanity. It's meaningless. It's hopeless. You take love out of here this morning, and what we are here is total waste of time. I am sorry that you came here and wasted your time. Gotta have love. Zeal for Christ. Zeal for the gospel. Without love, everything we do is meaningless. So discipleship begins with love. The zeal for somebody begins with love. Right? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here and get ready to worship. Real love. Okay. So I want to share this with you as they're coming up. Who are we? What kind of church are we? I'm going to over-communicate this. You're going to hear this very regularly now, okay? This is the vision that the Lord gave me before I came here when I was in Midwest. Even long before I started serving here. That when I was going to come here, this is what the Lord gave me. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have little strength and have, but have kept my word and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogues of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie indeed. I will make them come and worship before you. And to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. This is going to be a church. We will be a church. We are a church that is faithful. That is faithful. And how do you define faithful? We keep the word of God. We don't deny the name of Jesus Christ. We keep the commands of God and persevere it. It is the world that will not change our church, change our church. We will change the world, not the world changing us, right? We are here to change the world and the culture. How do we do that? By remaining faithful. Keep, keep this word in your mind. Santa Clara Baptist Church is going to be defined by the word faithfulness. And what does that mean? Keep the commandment of God. Keep the word of God. Do not compromise on Jesus as the one who brings salvation alone in this world. Right? And we will use every gift that God has given us to change the community and the world. This is what our church is going to be like. When you come one month, two months later, because you have your work, and you will see always change in this church because the Spirit of God is so dynamic. 
I want to say this before you go, before we worship. So how, how am I discipling my family? Because life is hard. Life is not easy. There's trials. How do we overcome it? We have to persevere because perseverance breaks character. Character brings hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God is within us. Right? Quickly, to set the tone for worship. This is not to show off. Okay? Please don't take it that way. But just to share. My wife and we used to fast two, twice a week when we were in Michigan. We fasted for our ministry and we fasted for our family. Tuesday and Friday we fast. When we moved to Indiana, we fasted one day for our kids, for our ministry. Right? We fasted regularly. I can tell you that the, the power of fasting, non-fasting is day and night for me. In my ministry, in my preaching, it's just day and night because I can see in life changes when I fast. Fasting is not giving up. It's leaning into the opportunity that God provides for me, okay? Fasting has nothing to do with giving up food. It's, it's availing the opportunity that God gives to me. Okay. So, when we came to California, we stopped fasting. I don't know why. So a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, I said to my wife, we're going to fast every Thursday. Oh, we're going to fast every Monday. And we started fasting Monday. It didn't work, so we changed to Thursday because Thursday was better. Why did we fast? For one thing, we're fasting for our kids. Right? That's one main thing, and then we add the church. You know. So when we started fasting three weeks, we fasted for certain specific reason that we wanted in our life and that we needed help from God. And last week, last this week, I met one of our church members and I shared to that church member and said, this is what we needed in our life right now. And we are praying, I don't know, do you think something you can do? And that person said to me, oh, I dreamt last week that you will come and ask me about this exactly what you need. He had dreamt already. Right? Do you see the connection here? When you are faithful in making disciples of the people that are under your care, God is working double overtime for you. He's making way for you. What is He looking from you and I? Faithfulness. Can we stand?